Welcome everyone to Strictly Jojo, a podcast dedicated to Jojo's bizarre adventure. My name is Courtney. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is episode 60, and we're reviewing part six, Stone Ocean, Enter the Dragon's Dream. As always, it'll be spoilers for this episode and anything that's happened in the Jojo anime. I kind of wanted to enter a dream after this episode. <laughs> you weren't feeling it? No. And we'll get into details. I don't know if you feel the same way about this episode, but I think you might find it to be a uh, more lackluster episode. I find it to be a very confusing episode. So yeah, we're going to have um, a lot to kind of sift through. But the localized title for this episode, this Stone Ocean episode, is Enter the Drake Stream. No fucking clue why they came up with Drake, Drake. instead of Dragon. Maybe they were using Drake. I don't know. <laughs> um, I think the JoJo Wiki says Drake Stream is in reference to a musical called Drake's Dream. Okay. Well, at least they try to tie it to something that seems like it would be a JoJo reference. But before we jump into all of that, a few housekeeping items and some fun announcements and I think some JoJo news too, right? Yes. Should we start with JoJo news? Let's start with housekeeping. Okay. (laughs) That's always the best thing to start with. Um, We'll go, you know, least exciting to most exciting, although all of these are very, very exciting. On the ratings front, we are still trying to reach our goal of 50 ratings on Spotify, and we're only five away. We are at 45 Mm -hmm. ratings as of this recording, so we are so close to reaching that goal of 50 Spotify ratings. So if you enjoy Strictly JoJo and you listen to us on Spotify on the iOS or Android app, all you have to do is go to our page. You're probably there right now if you're listening to us at this moment. Just go to the little star icon, hit that, leave us a rating, and that will help us get 250, and we'll very much appreciate it. Another piece of exciting news is that we, as the Strictly series, were featured on the most recent episode of the Anime Brothers podcast, which should be released and live by the time of this episode uh jd and earthworm invited us back on their podcast for a waifu wars tournament or i think they call it waifu warfare and we were also joined by our friend ash from the simping for senpai podcast who was also a guest on our strictly anime podcast where i believe you were reviewing shield hero season two Oh, yes. Good old Shield Hero Season 2. Yeah, and uh, JD and Earthworm were with us when we reviewed Hunter x Hunter on Strictly Anime, I think back in back in the winter. Uh, so it was, it was a great group of people. Again, we each picked out our favorite waifus of all time from anime, and we put them in, in a tournament bracket, and we had to fend for each of them and profess our true love for these waifus, but then we had to decide on who would be the greatest waifu in this tournament. And I don't want to give away any spoilers, but we did have a JoJo character that appeared on the bracket. I think she was one of your waifus, if I remember correctly. That's correct. And JD and Earthworm are JoJo fans, Earthworm especially. I think JD is catching up on Jojo. I believe he's on part six, so he's pretty much caught Mm. up. But yes, they are Jojo fans, so definitely go check them out. And I know I said earlier, we're kind of sharing news from like increasing excitement. I would say, honestly, this is the most exciting thing we're sharing today because it was a great time. There was so much passion 
behind everyone's uh, defense of their waifu picks, especially me for my uh, particular JoJo lovely lady that I add on that bracket. So do check that out because it was a really good discussion. And lastly, to tie back to JoJo, we have one piece of JoJo news for this week. It's kind of similar to what we shared last week in terms of smart fashion. I have an article here from thejojonews.com. Billy Billy launches Jotaro-themed Bluetooth earphone set in China. Billy Billy is collaborating with JoJo's Bizarre Adventure to release a Jotaro Kujo-themed earbud set in China, um, as the subtitle reads. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, I believe Billy Billy is a it's like a video sharing website similar to YouTube, but one that's based in China. Uh, I think they, according to this article, they released their own set of wireless earbuds, kind of similar to like Apple's AirPods earlier this year. And so now they have this collaboration with JoJo. And of course, it's one of the few JoJo items that I, or like Jotaro items that I really want, but it's not easily accessible here in the States. Uh, so for any JoJo fans in China, you are definitely in luck with this one. I fucking love this design. It looks so good. Like just the headphones themselves, right? They're all matte black with a little gold star on them. Like, holy shit. And then the front says Jotaro Kujo. Oh, I'm obsessed. And then you have the option to get a little carrying case that's literally Jotaro's school bag. And it looks so fucking mm -hmm. cute. And it even comes with um, an option of two different straps. I think you can hook them onto the the earbuds so that you don't lose them or drop them. And they match Jotaro's belt. Like, everything about this design is so well thought out, so smart, so sleek. I, I love it. If you look at one of the pictures um, of the school bag on the back, it even has like a a gold plate that says Jotaro's name on it. I, I'm dying. This is like one of all the Jojo merch that we've talked about. This is one of the ones that I really, really am jealous of. And I don't know, maybe it's hopeful. China is getting exclusive Jojo merch. Maybe someday we in the States will have a really cool Jojo collab that we can tap into. But nothing so far in the States that is as cool as this. Uh, just to elaborate a little bit more, the case that the earbuds come in are actually like the design is based off of Jotaro's hat because the front of it it's in the the case is in black and gold but uh there is that um hand pin that golden hand pin at the front of the case and so it's supposed Wait, the to the school bag one? No, the case it uh, sorry, not like the the school bag case but the actual case that houses the housing for the headphones. Okay, yeah, yeah where you can charge. I'm assuming just like AirPods, you can charge the the earbuds. Um, but that casing itself is supposed to resemble Jotaro's hat. So everything about this just it, it's so exquisite. Um, I don't know if there's a price here um, in Chinese yuan, but yeah, I'm I'm assuming what, what close to like two hundred two hundred fifty dollars for for this set of earbuds. And man, would I love to get my hands on this. We'll share a link to the article with all the pictures in the Discord. So if you're not a member of the Discord, the link to join is in the description. All right, so from really exciting news back to back to um, a 
I don't want to say not exciting episode, but a very confusing and maybe lackluster episode, depending on whose point of view you're talking from, we have Enter the Dragon's Dream. I, I think I've shared this a number of times as we've gone through Stone Ocean, the second core, but this is by far the most confusing part for me when I was reading the manga. And I was hopeful that watching it in animated form might be a little bit easier to digest or follow. Not so much. Yeah, and I'm on the same level as you were. I, I too think that this episode is confusing as fuck. But the two times that we've watched this because we like to do two rewatches of these JoJo episodes, I, I found myself falling asleep. And it's a shame because, you know, the title of this episode and even the, the next episode, which I think is Enter the Foo Fighters, I think it's an homage, I feel like, to Bruce Lee being like, enter the dragon, right? Enter the dragon's dream. So I was expecting something a little more exciting to come from this this mini arc of the Ultra Security Weenie Hut Jr.'s arc. But it was this is just something else entirely. And I think what I, I didn't really love about this episode is that usually there's a there's a give and take between the two contenders of any given episode. But I felt like with this one, when they introduced Kenzo and Dragon's Dream, it was just constantly shoving into our faces how much of an advantage Kenzo had over Foo Fighters, although it was in ways that were very difficult to comprehend at first. And... I, I wouldn't say that the, these episodes were obvi- like filler. Like the story's still progressing. It's just that this is the next obstacle that the Joe Bros or the prison posse has to face before Jolene can reach uh, Dio's bone. But something there was just something with this episode that felt lackluster, and I think it's just the nature of Kenzo and Dragon's Dream. They did definitely make it feel like in this episode that Foo Fighters was, yeah, at a major disadvantage. Like, she was just getting destroyed in this episode. There was never a moment where she could just get the upper hand. She was doing enough to defend herself, but really, like, she just couldn't get there. Um, but I think that's on purpose. It's it's to build this really strong, really um, intimidating foe so that in the next episode her her overcoming that situation is even more impressive and i when we get to that point in the next episode i will say it is a very impressive way that she overcame it because technically like she could have died um facing off against kenzo but in this episode you know you you kind of have to appreciate that build up or you have to go through that build up to appreciate what happens in the next episode you think dragon's dream is an intimidating jojo enemy i guess not like intimidating (laughs) but i think it's confusing enough. Like the confusion associated with this enemy is intimidating. Mm, okay. Right? Because it's one that. thing to like fully understand or for for the most part, understand your enemy. It's another thing to have no fucking clue what your enemy is doing. That's an added layer of terror. Yeah. Because even in this episode, like Jolene was even trying to, uh, trying to lead Foo Fighters and help strategize with her by trying to figure out how exactly Dragon's Dream works. Like, I think at one point Jolene was like, make sure he stays as far away from the compass as possible or, or from the stand itself as possible. But I think that wasn't really the case. Uh, I think we'll discuss this is that 
Dragon's Dream itself is, is kind of like a neutral stand um, throughout this whole ordeal. And there, there's, there's a reason for that. But I think the reason for it can get even more confusing if you don't understand the, the concept of Dragon's Dream or like why it's acting the way it does in this episode. Should we add Dragon's Dream to the sentient list? The, the yes. list of sentient stands. Mm -hmm. I, I think so too because it is very obvious that Dragon's Dream converses directly with Kenzo. I mean, they even argue at a certain point in this episode and Dragon's Dream will straight up tell Foo Fighters what she needs to do in order to overcome Kenzo and says, I'm a neutral party in all of this. It's between you guys. You guys figure it out. So I have added Dragon's Dream to the list of sentient stands in JoJo. I feel like we started off saying there's only sex pistols and now that list keeps growing. So it's nice to add a couple more in there um, because I, f I, I had a feeling I'm like the sex pistols can't be the only sentient stand. We're missing something. So yeah, now we have another one. This stemmed from a discussion we had about part three too, right? Wasn't there a sentient stand early on in part three um, that we were? I know there's an, is there Anubis? Um, or no, like the first half of part three that we've reviewed so far. No. Oh. <laughs> Not on <laughs> my list anyway. <laughs> I think this all stemmed from us talking about like, some of the coolest stands or some of the favorite stands, like on the topic of stands in general, I really like Sex Pistols. And I would always say, I think Sex Pistols is the only, one of the only sentient stands in JoJo because it's so funny watching the banter between Mista and Sex Pistols. And I think that's what led us to start to wonder if there are other sentient stands. And now we have a, a very small but solid list of them. Oh, uh, I think I, I remember now, I think it was, I don't know if this was the exact thing, but where, in part three, uh, the stand, the devil, the one that was tormenting Polnareff in the hotel room, I think we were kind of discussing whether that was a sentient stand or if it was just the stand user talking through the stand rather than the stand itself having its own mind and body. I think it's the latter, similar to White Snake. White Snake is... Poochie speaking through Whitesnake. Don't you mean the former? Because I, <laughs> I said that it was the, st uh, the the stand user talking through through the stand or the stand having... Oh, what own. did I say? <laughs> you said the latter. <laughs> former is what I said before. Oh, oops. Latter is what I said <laughs> Whatever afterwards. you said about it's the stand user talking through the stand. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so, so the <laughs> former, and maybe can, someone can roll back the tape and clarify if that was the case. <laughs> I don't know. I had a brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, it's time, dear listeners, to make sure that your fung is in shui as we dive into our synopsis and discussion for part six, episode 17, Enter the Dragon's Dream. The Brawl Star battle nearly comes to a halt as Jolene realizes that only two challengers are left, a guy in Roman soldier cosplay and an old gentleman slash former cult leader by the name of Kenzo Osasageo, who got rid of all other contenders by turning them into Augustus Gloops. Foo Fighters arrives in the nick of time to tag team into the tumultuous tournament, while Anasui tries out his chapless charm on our juvenile Jojo, but Kenzo Osasageo's stand, Dragon's Dream, 
proves to be a nightmare for her as it relies on a combination fried rice order of luck and feng shui to bestow great misfortune on our plankton protagonist in their undercard fight. Though the stand sentient compass dragon offers tips and tricks to her on how to beat his master, FF decides to use her own head by biting down on Kenzo Osageo's grisly old hands. But FF's shit literally hits the fan when her head gets a clean cut off the top by a serendipitously broken ceiling fan. Are you saying that her head is made of shit? I, you know, <laughs> shit hit the fan. But I guess you could say she's dragging quite a bit against this dragon. And now into our next segment of the show is that a music and or fashion reference where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music and or fashion. So we have two references in this episode. First one being the Stan Dragon's Dream in that there are, there are two possible references. The first being Dragon's Dream, which is a song by Russian multi-instrumentalist Arkady Shilkloper, known as one of the best jazz performers on horn and alphorn in the world. Some of the instruments that he plays include the horn, alphorn, flugelhorn, vogelhorn, carne, elephant culohorn, corno da caccia, corno pastoricho, shells, didgeridoo, and shofar. That's quite an extensive list. Is the didgeridoo considered a horn? Yeah, it's in the, like the long thing. Remember in SpongeBob where he's like, I diddgeridoo, man. And he's like, don't. I guess I can see that. It's, um, I know what it is. I just didn't know yeah. it was in the horn family of instruments. I mean, yeah, it's just a very low-toned horn. Yeah, we listened to this song uh, as we were writing our notes for this episode, and I, I guess it kind of sounds like a like a dragon's what a goes through a dragon's dream. I was like, "What <laughs> the fuck are you listening to?" It's just, yeah, I was like, what "Bellowing did I call horn." Um, I forgot. What did you call? It? What did I call it? Wait, play it back. I need to hear it again. It sounded like something specific to me, and I can't remember what I said. Okay, I'm going to play it for Courtney, but obviously we're going to keep it off mic. Um, so here. I still don't remember what I called it, but it sounds like a fucking epic battle horn drama. I don't know. Um, it's it's weird. I feel like we should share the link to this one. We'll drop it in the, the Discord as well because I don't know how to describe what I'm listening to. And I don't know <laughs> how Araki came up with this stand namesake like did he listen to this <laughs> did he mm, listen to the song yeah, like, on his own yeah <laughs> probably just cut it sounds so sleepy and maybe that's why like i found this episode so sleepy uh but yeah we'll share it in the discord and you know just like having a music appreciation class in school people can share their thoughts on what they think or like what they envision when they listen to this song yeah please tell us in the discord uh but the second thing that the stand name Dragon's Dream could be in reference to is with the title of an art book called Dragon's Dream, which is a compilation of art by Roger Dean, who is an English artist, designer, and publisher best known for his exotic fantasy landscapes and work on posters and album covers for musicians, the most prominent of which are two English rock bands, one by the name of Asia and the other, can you take a guess? Man. Who? 
Asian man. <laughs> no, the band Asia, and oh. then and then another band. Asian. No, a, the band. <laughs> <laughs> the band Asia. Okay. And then there's a second band that Dragon. No. Dream. No. Dragon's Dream. No. <laughs> the band Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jojo fans should know them very well. And the second reference in this episode is with Dragon's Dream's stand user, Kenzo. Uh, his name is in reference to Kenzo, which is a French luxury fashion house founded by Japanese designer Kenzo Takara, known for his merging of Japanese influences and high-end European construction. Another fun fact regarding Kenzo is that the Japanese voice actor for the character goes by the stage name Mugihito. I think he's um, close to his 80s now, but he's still... Very strong in the Seiyu game. Uh, he was the VA for Jay Guile in the OVA for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure that came out years and years ago. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and I guess for, for more modern anime fans, uh, he was the voice of the principal Gakuganji in Jujutsu Kaisen. I think he was the principal of the uh, the Kyoto school. The rival school? Yeah, the old man. The old man principal. Okay, cool. Yeah. And now it's time for the JoJo meme rundown, where we list each new JoJo meme that appeared in this episode. And we have one, ladies and gentlemen. We are on a roll. We have another JoJo meme. And this is Jolene's fuck you gestures from around the world. So as we all know, when she meets Kenzo, she says fuck you to him in many different ways. And I've seen this meme done a couple of different times. Um, specifically, the ones I pulled out have the manga panels. So one meme says, you know, everyone always jokes, oh, Koichi or Kuchi is Jotaro's kid, and Jolene starts to do the fuck you gestures to them. Or the other one has her doing all of the gestures, and then they call her Ms. Worldwide. So yeah, that's um, that's that's the meme. And I think one cool Ms. call out- Worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the cool call out here is that at one point, she does call out, I think it's the last one, the fuck mm -hmm. you gesture for Italy, specifically for Naples. And for uh, fans of part five, you'll know that Naples is where part five is initially set and where Giorno lives. So it's kind of cool that she mentions that one in particular. Yeah, nice little homage back to part five with just that little phrase. Um, who's Coochie? Coochie-kun. Koichi? Oh, <laughs> I was thinking like a, an illegitimate child of Jotaro. For I, some mean, I mean, <laughs> he's the adoptive child of Jotaro, yeah. according to the fandom. <laughs> okay, I didn't know. I, I didn't think of Koichi, but yeah, okay, Kuchi. For anyone not familiar, it's that running meme about Jotaro basically considering Koichi his son because he has. I guess a closer relationship with him during part four than he would have his own daughter. I, we assume anyway. Um, and then a lot of people are like, no, he cares about Jolene. So yeah, it's just Jolene saying F you to all those people who, who pass that meme around. But anyway, as always, if we have missed any memes for this episode, please reach out and let us know. So the start of this episode, and really a lot of this episode, is exposition, explaining Kenzo, 
um, explaining Dragon's dream, explaining his backstory, um, explaining what the fuck is happening here because it is very, very confusing. And a good chunk of that exposition, exposition comes directly from Anasui to Jolene. But we first kind of start off learning a little bit about Kenzo um, because he shares a bit about himself as he's doing some pretty extreme stretches, including the fun fact that he has stayed so healthy because he drinks his piss every day. That's... <laughs> I don't and... know if that's really healthy. Like, I know your pee is yeah. sterile and you can drink it, but to make it a routine thing for many, many years of your life, there's no way that wouldn't have some sort of negative impact on your body. Because I thought urine, it's, it's just getting rid of all of the, like, unnecessary things. Uh, from like the liquids or whatever you drink right there's a reason your body's expelling these things if it's expelling it it's because it doesn't want it in your body again you could drink your piss in dire situations right i think we all know that from different survival tv shows or whatever whatever. yeah yeah but i don't know i guess making it a regular practice um helps him stay fit i don't know key to youth because I think he says he's 78 years old practicing urine therapy. I I, I wouldn't want to try it because <laughs> you know, I'm not into that kind of kink. <laughs> well, if any of our listeners practice Whoa. urine therapy, feel free to reach out and let us know how that's going yeah, for you. Yeah, <laughs> you could send us an anonymous email. <laughs> but yeah, so we, we get to know him a little bit. And we first see Dragon's Dream in action when he pulls out the compass and says some coordinates says some time frames and then some shit happens and then his first that's the whole episode yeah basically. <laughs> his first strike against foo fighters is him shoving his whole hand in her mouth and she's unafraid at first because she's like well i fucking love water you're bloating everyone's body with all this water bring it on motherfucker but then i just i don't quite know what's going on here he says that, well, it seems like he's not actually putting water in her body, but activating her adrenal, adrenal gland. Yes. Uh, I wrote here, I think I wrote what he said verbatim, activating her adrenal gland to send liquid to her respiratory system. Like liquid already present in her body to her respiratory system? Is that why her neck swells? Yeah. I think that's also why all of the body, like the bodies of the prisoners around them are bloated because he was using that same technique on them. Okay. But this is where my, like, my very literal, and I don't know if practical is the right word for it, but my, my brain starts to, my analytical brain starts to think here. So the bodies on the floor are swelled to max hit the floor. <laughs> swelled to max capacity with water. But he's not adding any water to their bodies. So how the fuck are they swelling? I could see forcing water existing in your body to a particular body part, like Foo Fighters neck, which then swells, but their entire bodies are swelling without having added any water. How the fuck does that happen? So I think this is where feng shui comes into play. Um, and I'm, thanks to the Jojo wiki, um, I, I can kind of put reason to this. Uh, it says here, there's feng shui assassination, 
which is a martial art using the same principles to determine what points of the body to hit and how to position oneself for the strike to maximize lethality and evade blows no matter how alert and prepared the target is. So I think it's Kenzo knows kind of like like pressure points, I guess, or or specific body targets to know how to incapacitate his opponent, which is why he knew to reach into Foo Fighter's mouth and like fuck with her kidney stones or whatever. Her kidney stones? You or mean her, her kidneys? kidneys? I don't I don't know human Hope she have kidney stones. <laughs> but no, that doesn't answer my question though because how are the bodies adding water to swell them to that point? Because if if they kick or like hit around the bodies, they explode because they're so full of water. Unless he like took the hose that the guards were using earlier and then shoved them in the like all the prisoners' mouths and then swelled them that way. No, uh, well, like we see it happen on on Foo Fighters, but he doesn't add water to her at all. Exactly, that's why Maybe I'm like confused. Like a, it boiling up in inside the body maybe i don't know again like it's one of those things where it's it's a minor detail but one that's kind of sticking with me so in addition to anybody who does urine therapy if we have any doctors or biologists listening and can confirm what the fuck is happening here if you can swell a body without adding anything to it um let us know or this whole thing about hitting the adrenal adrenal gland um and sending liquid to the respiratory system if that's accurate do let us know Okay, wait, now I'm, I'm reading a, a separate JoJo wiki that kind of summarizes the plot, saying that Kenzo wounds the cervical inside of Foo Fighter's mouth and stimulates the adrenal glands, causing a great release of mucus in the trachea and thus suffocating her. Um, I don't, oh wait, maybe that doesn't explain the bloating. It, well, it isn't for the other bodies. It explains mm. why her neck swells. Okay, I don't know. Maybe a Rocky just really stretched this one out with his, <laughs> I don't know how vast his scientific knowledge is, but. I like to think he did his research. Anytime we have like these very specific um, physics-based or like biology-based or any science-based thing that he's putting together here, I like to think Rocky did some level of research, but maybe taking a little bit of creative freedom as well. A less confusing part, though, happens immediately after when Anasui shows up next to Jolene, and he's calm and collected as always, um, observant, when he tells Jolene that he needs to observe and learn what Kenzo's doing so that she can be prepared in the event that Foo Fighters fails. Um, he says that really the problem isn't the water or his swelling of Foo Fighters' neck. It's actually that he dodged every bullet, which was interesting watching that for the first time. Because trying to process everything that they're telling you in the first moments of this episode, I completely overlooked the fact that he did dodge every bullet. I'm like, oh shit, you're right. Foo Fighters fired at him a number of times and he never got hit. I think he also, maybe it wasn't during the bullet dodging, but afterwards, has that like kind of shifty movement that reminds me of the way Kilua moves when he's in like his... I guess assassin mode it's in like Hunter Shadow Hunter. Walk or something. Yeah, I don't know what he called it. yeah. Uh, but you know, it, it just makes another way that Dragon's Dream was just really confusing because first you have Kenzo shoving his his hand down Foo Fighter's mouth to to make her bloat, and then you have this other thing where he can suddenly dodge bullets, and it it wasn't making any sense up until we learn about the feng shui, which I think is what Anasui 
uh, explains later on. But I think, so for me, this is really impressive because it just sort of, um, as we're learning about Ansui, it helps us to start getting a sense for who he is and how smart he actually is. Um, because he hasn't done much up until this point. But we learn as the episodes go on that he is actually a very, again, observant, very um, intelligent individual with a lot of foresight. Not always. There's some times where um, he doesn't quite get what the fuck is going on, specifically that episode where they're on the boat and Jolene's trying to like talk to him, but she can't. But um, yeah, for him to say all of this and just be calm and collected um, and process everything that's going on when Jolene is struggling to do so because one, she's injured really bad and two, Foo Fighters is in a bad position. It shows the kind of person that he is. And then he also confesses his love for her, which right. throws her off like completely. Then he does a 180 because she goes, oh wait, you're that guy that was like with Emporio, but didn't say anything to anybody. And your name's like Anasui or something. And he's like, yes, and I love you. And I'm going to marry you. you. It's so funny. This is one of the moments that I have been waiting for after reading the manga. Was Jolene meet or sorry, was honestly straight up telling Jolene in their first meeting that he loves her. And as expected, her reaction is just sort of like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, and then there's like that quick shot of her like tilting her head in confusion and you know the the background changes to like brighter colors which kind of breaks up the tension in this episode but it was i mean it was kind of cute seeing jolene like caught off guard in that moment yeah i enjoyed it a lot and i think it's um it's important to note or not even important to note i just i just noted that she wasn't like grossed out or off put by him like ew who the fuck are you you're a fucking creep or anything like that she was just like what okay <laughs> i think she's got more important things to focus on right now right then Anasui continues explaining that Kenzo was like a cult leader back in the day. Um, he's been in jail for a really long time after he drugged all of his followers and tried to kill everyone, including trying to kill himself. Um, or no, he did kill everyone and then tried to kill himself as well when he burned everybody in a house. So that's how he ended up in the jail and has had a lot of time in this prison to hone his skills. What I don't understand, though, but maybe it's because he's a stand user, is that when we go back to the um, fight between Kenzo and Foo Fighters, he says that he can somehow sense the plankton inside of Foo Fighters. Like, he explains that I can see your blood flowing through your body, but there's something else there flowing as well. And he doesn't know, obviously, that it's plankton, but we all know what it is. Isn't it because Survivor is still in effect? Oh, uh, maybe. Right, because that's... The survivor allows uh, people to look at their opponent's bodies and see if they're like their strongest points or whatever. I thought it was like the muscles, though. Did it also allow them to see like oh, veins yeah. and like blood? I don't think so. Unless, you know, urine therapy just heightens <laughs> heightens uh, Kenzo's like senses where he can see right through you. Well, my initial thought was maybe he can see the plankton because the plankton are the stand technically so he's able to see the stand but then i'm like then every stand user should be able to tell right away that there's something up with foo fighters because every stand user should be able to see the plankton so i don't know they don't really explain like how he can see this shit so maybe maybe we do talk it up to survivor i think that's probably the most logical explanation here i just thought if foo fighters herself is a stand why can non-stand users see her because she's inside of a human body. 
she even says that in this episode when he when kenzo tries to like choke her out by putting his hand in her mouth she was like i'm normally fine but this human body is breaking down because of what he's doing Hmm. okay so i don't think non-sand users can see her finger when it turns into a gun or the bullet she fires or if then she heals herself with plankton right yeah but the plankton i assume help regenerate human tissue because she also mm. heals hermes and jolene the same way okay otherwise they're gonna have holes in their body <laughs> according yeah. to non-sand users okay that makes sense then in the middle of this fight um as who fighters is being attacked dragon's dream itself shows up right behind her and tells her that she shouldn't be attacking it and that her enemy is actually kenzo and again, this is when we have confirmation that it's a sentient stand. Um, it explains that it doesn't pick sides, and it warns her that Kenzo is about to strike. A very unique thing, I'd say, for a stand in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Having a stand that is a neutral party and will help the enemy as much as the stand user themselves. Yeah, I think that goes back to the nature of feng shui, which is built in to Dragon's Dream's stand ability because... I think it's kind of like <laughs> the way I look at it is like feng shui is like the force in Star Wars, right? You would look at it that way. <laughs> That's the easiest way because like, like the force is neither good nor bad. It just is. And I think that's the same thing with feng shui. It's like a, it's this neutral thing which people can bend and sway to their will. And Dragon's Dream is just emulating that too by staying neutral in this fight, which is why he kind of vouches for Foo Fighters in helping her strategize. And maybe it's kind of one-sided because it also bickers with uh, Kenzo at the same time. But I, I guess he's he's not supposed to pick sides. I don't think he's picking sides. I think he's just, he can't, I guess, through stand power, communicate with Foo Fighters the way he can with Kenzo. He's able to, I guess, somehow inform Kenzo of, like, the luckiest direction. He can't do that with Foo Fighters because Foo Fighters is not his stand user. Mm -hmm. So then he has to verbally express it to her, maybe? Yeah, okay. JoJo Wiki is coming in clutch for this episode <laughs> because uh, for the entry for Dragon's Dream, it says here, Dragon's Dream strives for fairness of chances between Kenzo and his enemy and will advise the target on how to protect themselves to compensate for Kenzo's advantage. So get, trying to keep that balance um, as, as with the actual nature of feng shui. Right, and I think at the end of the episode too, Dragon's Dream even says like, everyone should benefit from Lucky Direction, not just Kenzo, but Kenzo benefits the most from it because Kenzo is the stand user. Um, so yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. And then Kenzo does enter the dragon, as the name of the title and it removes his arm sending it flying at Foo Fighters like a weapon and at first I thought oh this is Kenzo using Dragon's Dream to like direct his arm directly to that kill spot but I think what's happening here is that it's actually concealing Kenzo's direction of his next strike not necessarily doing the work for him and getting him to the kill shot so it's wait it's not separating from his body no, 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 no. So it is separating from his body, but Kenzo's still in control of the arm. It's just Dragon's Dream is concealing oh. the direction of his next strike. That way the enemy can't react. Because that's the, the unluckiest position at that point. 
Yes, but Dragon's Dream, I don't think, is taking Kenzo's arm and doing the work for Kenzo. I think it's just concealing the work that Kenzo's doing. Okay. So, like, Dragon's Dream is not taking his arm, and Dragon's Dream is not the one, like, firing his arm at Foo Fighters. Kenzo still has in his mind where that arm should go. Dragon's Dream just makes it difficult to follow that. But then Foo Fighters' arm at the end of the episode, maybe this is going a bit ahead, like, it's, she also gets that inserted into the dragon, although it's not by, by her own will, right? Yeah, but where does that arm go? It goes, like, flying it into, like, torts. a body. Oh, you're right. Okay. So, like, Dragon's Dream could have just sent it back at her, could have sent it at Kenzo, but no, it's Foo Fighters not knowing what the fuck was going on, so it just sent it in a random direction. Because she's not in control of Dragon's Dream? Well, I think in the next episode, she figures out how to use Dragon's Dream if she can enter it. But in that moment, she was like, what the fuck's happening? So it just was like a random shot. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't remember much from these two episodes. So Again, it's very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess before we move on, since we've been talking about Dragon's Dream so much, I think it's it would be wise for us to talk about the stand stats for Dragon's Dream, which surprisingly, there aren't a lot because destructive power is none. Speed is none. Range is none. Durability is A. Precision and accuracy is none. And development potential is, guess what? None. <laughs> that makes sense, though, because Foo Fighters tries to fire at Dragon's Dream and it literally does nothing. Mm -hmm. So durability being A, I could see that. Yeah, and as, as we talked about before, Dragon's Dream itself is not like the attack stand. It's, it's just there and it's just remaining neutral through the fight. Yeah, I think a great way to describe it is an, it's an informative stand, mm -hmm. right? Like it's informing the stand user about the luckiest direction or the unluckiest direction. And to that point, um, we do see a coincidence occur of glasses striking Foo Fighters in the face, but it's not as much of a coincidence, more so it was the unlucky direction that she happened to to face. And so Anasui jumps back in and explains that Kenzo uses Dragon's Dream to determine the best direction for attack based on the energy of Feng Shui, which is usually based around luck itself, and then using that lucky energy to decide where to strike next. So again, Kenzo is the one deciding where to strike based on what Dragon's Dream is informing him of. So Dragon's Dream is saying, this is the spot, right? Like above her left ear, that you need to hit, but Kenzo still needs to be the one to actually hit it. Okay. <laughs> but to that point, then Dragon's Dream goes over to Foo Fighters and says, I'm a neutral party in this, so by the way, your weak spot is your left, your, uh, uh, above your left ear. Watch out. Okay. So yeah, I was laughing because, you know, Feng Shui, a lot of people like to use it as something to, to, to decorate their interiors, the interiors of their homes. Uh, but here it's about finding the right spot to attack a person. Um, <laughs> it's it's wild. Feng Shui is wild. Well, Anasui then continues to explain that um, Dragon's Dream also allows Kenzo to use unlucky direction to figure out the best way to attack someone so that the enemy has no chance to dodge. So it's like luck and unluck. Um, and then it, by that same 
you know, thread. No say pun intended. Unluck, bad luck. Did I say unluck? Oh, I was reading my notes as unlucky, and I was just I took the Y off. Yes, bad luck, luck and bad luck. You know what? Fuck it. Unluck's gonna become a word starting now. It's pluck. Pluck. <laughs> like part one, but no, that's a different meaning. But anyway, by that by that same thread, no pun intended. Kenzo can also read his safest direction, um, so it gives Kenzo quite a quite an advantage through a lot of information, but. At the end of Anasui saying all of that and explaining all of it to Jolene, Jolene shouts to Foo Fighters, I don't really understand, but you can't let Kenzo touch the dragon. And I'm like, yeah, Jolene, same. I don't understand either. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's not the case at all as, as what you were pointing out earlier. But it just adds to the confusion of these characters not knowing what exactly this ability is. Well, I think she's right about Kenzo not touching the dragon. Because then that's entering the dragon, which then conceals his shots. No, um, now Foo okay. Fighters can't defend against it. Oh, but her part okay. about saying, I don't really understand. I'm like, yes, Jolene, I don't really understand either. Yeah, clearly I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to our final thoughts for part six, episode 17, Enter the Dragon's Dream. So do you feel that this episode was dragon a bit? Dragging these nuts across your head. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, got was, him. I was waiting for that. So I, I don't think, again, I think you are on the end of this being a lackluster dragging these nuts trying to, uh, you know, <laughs> make dragging something out of nothing. Dragging these nuts trying to enter the dragon. Yeah. <laughs> um, like a, a slower episode. I don't think it was slow. I think it was a lot of fucking information all at once in a very confusing delivery in a very confusing package so i'm more in the camp of this was a confusing episode high intensity but like a ton of exposition a ton of explanation so maybe there was like there was still a decent amount of actual action that happened but i would say that was overshadowed by everything you had to try to absorb writing notes while watching this episode was extremely difficult because i felt like the second i looked away to double check my notes or to like jot something down I suddenly missed something. Or even when I was like simultaneously typing as I'm re reading the subtitles, I felt like I couldn't type fast enough to catch up to what the fuck they were mm -hmm. explaining. So yeah, I think that this was confusing in the manga. It's confusing in the anime. It's gonna be confusing in the next episode. We're just gonna do the best that we can. But what about you? Yeah, I think my thoughts are clear. I, I felt like I was about to doze off into a dragon's dream with how confusing and, and convoluted this episode was. And, and maybe it's just because we, we did get the straightforward nature of, of Survivor before this um, with awakening everyone's internal rage. And then with Westwood, like that just being an, an all-out brawl. And here it's more of just, just strategy. It's a mind fuck. Yes. <laughs> so you have... You have the, the brawling nature of the, the previous fights and then the mindfuck nature of this fight against Kenzo. But, you know, we didn't touch upon, like, the CG effects of the dragon itself. But even that could not distract me from the fact that Kenzo and Dragon's Dream, for me, are, they're just not compelling enough to be the enemy stand of this week. And to another point, it feels a little too derivative of that kind of wise old martial artist trope while trying to have a unique spin on it. And maybe I just don't have a clear grasp of feng shui or still have a clear grasp of 
what's happening in this episode, but I just know for sure that these two episodes featuring Dragon's Dream don't harmonize with me, and I would consider them kind of the lowest points of this second core. Although I, I kind of find the I find humor in how um, uh, Kenzo gets his comeuppance in the next episode, even though all there's all this tension and confusion from this one. Maybe we'll do a better job in the next episode of explaining what's going on. I think we get a little bit of clarity and a little bit of conclusion as Foo Fighters, um, you know, finishes out this battle against Kenzo. But we'll see. We'll see. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate you guys so much. I hope that our explanation was maybe a little clarifying for anyone as confused as us, um, or at least easy to follow, easier than what's happening in this episode. Subscribe to Strictly JoJo on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash strictly series and tune into strictly anime, our other podcasts for anime reviews and discussions. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. To be continued. <laughs>